Welcome to episode 157 of the GSD Entrepreneur Podcast with your hosts, Jules and Statoya. Running a successful business never comes without its challenges, but it also includes a lot of highs. In this GSD Entrepreneur Podcast, we explore both. We dive into what it looks like when the entrepreneurs are committed to getting done. These are people who are pursuing their dreams, so we dig deep to understand how they are doing it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Anna Brakefield is no stranger to hard work and understands to her core the importance of family. She grew up in Moulton, Alabama on her family farm called Redland Farm. Not necessarily wanting to work on the farm once she got her graphic design degree from Auburn University, she pursued a career in marketing that took her to New York City and then to Nashville, Tennessee. After farming the land for 30-plus years, her dad wanted to produce a quality product from the cotton he milled, so he approached Anna about his idea. They started dreaming. What if they could recreate the bedsheets of old that were high quality and only got better with time, all the while bringing manufacturing of cotton back to the USA? Anna agreed, and Redland Cotton was born. Now, only a few short years later, it's become a fast-growing company that's been featured in Style Blueprint, Southern Living, Garden and Gun, and many other media outlets. What a fun story that reminds us that going back to our roots sometimes may just be the very best thing. GSC Entrepreneur listeners, thanks for hitting play on us today. We sure do appreciate it. I think that we've got a really fun show for you with a product that actually we're really intrigued by. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm Jules, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, a lovely co-host as always, Statoya. Hi guys. Welcome to the show. All right. And our guest today is, uh, has been introduced to us by the lovely, absolutely lovely Carolyn Sutton. Um, She owns her own PR firm and uh, she's connected with our guest and said, hey, you guys would love to meet this person. So Anna, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, great. Well, so Anna Brakefield is the founder and owner of Redland Cotton. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, which you guys do all kinds of fun stuff, bedding and uh, both sheets and duvet and towels and even clothing. and. Yeah, I mean, we started out with uh, two lines of bed sheets and we've grown in four years to include bath towels, quilts, duvets, shams, um, and we just launched our, our loungewear last year. So, oh, wow. That's awesome. There's so much that you can do with cotton. There is. Yeah. Yeah. So let's do this. Um, the way that we always start out our podcast is take us back. If you would take us back to where you grew up and the journey that you walked to get to where you are now as founder of a company. Yeah. It's, it's a weird and kind of, a cyclical journey. Um, I grew up kind of smack dab in the middle of a cotton farm. My dad started his cotton farm, which is Redland Farms Mm -hmm. in uh, the early 80s, 1980s. And um, so I grew up in Moulton, Alabama, and our house was surrounded by a couple of hundred acres of cotton. We call call that in the South, Southern snow. Southern snow. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so, I mean, my brothers and I, I'm the oldest of three. I have two younger brothers. They now farm with my dad, but um, my mom used to lock us out of the house and we would just play in the field. 
Mm. And uh, I think that that is, is something that's missing from so many kids uh, growing up experiences, not necessarily playing in the field, but just being locked outside and mm. saying, go, go make fun. Um, but so I graduated high school. I went to Auburn University and I got a degree in graphic design. My dad was really disappointed. He wanted me to um, get an agriculture degree. and I I took one animal science class and that was my absolute worst class at Auburn and uh, I was you know I'm sorry dad uh, but I'm gonna go the way of the arts and um, I still I think he now knows a little bit more of what I do um, but at the time he really had no clue and so after um, after I graduated Auburn I moved to New York City and I worked in an advertising firm there. Um, <clears throat> and I kind of, I like to say, I kind of got my degree, my second degree at NYU, not from the literal university, but just from being in that very high paced environment. I got to work for some really great clients, um, American Express, BMW. Um, mm. So that gave me a really good foundation for sure. What, uh, did, you do, what did you do for those clients? If you were in media. Yeah, I, um, so I was an art director. Okay. So we did, uh, we did a lot of content, um, mm. video content, direct mail content, um, experiential stuff. Um, so anywhere from designing the, uh, lovely junk mail that you receive and probably throw mm-hmm. in the trash, um, to some really, really cool, um, fun video stuff. Hmm. Uh, I got engaged to my college sweetheart, uh, once he finished pharmacy school, um, at Auburn and we got married and moved to Nashville. That was going to be our compromise city because it was big enough for me to continue to pursue, um, a career that I was passionate in and, um, and he could pursue medicine mm-hmm. and, he started his residency and I was just really, really unfulfilled. I was not happy and that's not knocking Nashville or um, Nashville's advertising scene. I'm sure it's uh, come leaps and bounds since I left the industry, but um, I just wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. And my, my dad knew that and he had always had this idea of making a consumable customer facing good from his cotton. He's always been very frustrated uh, at the price that he receives for his cotton and then going into a store and seeing that finished good and saying, you know, somewhere somebody's getting screwed and he mm-hmm. fell with them. Um, so I want to stop you for a yeah. second. So back up. So your dad um, bought a farm. Was it already a cotton farm? It's a couple of questions. Was it already a cotton farm? And he bought it in the 80s. What did he do before? Was he always a farmer? Did he have farming in his blood kind of thing? And what was he? What was his ultimate plan when he bought the farm? Uh, was it to go into consumer goods? I mean, was it to have a family line? So I like to answer those questions. Yeah. Um, so my grandfather, uh, he and his wife and his, I think it was four children at the time, moved to from Tennessee to Moulton, Alabama. Uh, and he bought a small farm and he bought the farm and moved his family out there because he felt like there was no better place for 
children to learn a work ethic than to be on a farm. Mm. So uh, my grandfather started his own, um, it's kind of an engineering business called Ridge Industries, and you can still look it up. They do uh, like missile defense. <laughs> um, so, I mean, farming, it wasn't something that he did, but he bought those couple of acres um, where the home place is, where my dad and my mom still live. And, um, and they had cows and that they had to get up every morning and take care of. And, you know, a, a few, a few row crops, but nothing like nothing intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but they wound up having, uh, six kids, my, my grandfather and my grandmother, and my dad was one of them. And, and he was the only one that really wanted to pursue farming. And so, uh, my, my grandfather kind of helped help him set up with a couple of, a couple hundred acres. And I mean, he wanted to do row crops mm-hmm. and, um, cotton has always been in his portfolio. Uh, right now we farm about 5,000 acres. Most of that is cotton that we rotate with corn. We also have some cattle as well. Um, so it's a, it's a, big operation and like I said my brothers farm with him too they employ anywhere from 10 to 15 employees depending on the season um but I mean if it was if it's uh, you know prior to Redland Cotton being in the scene um he sold his cotton corn as a regular commodity like any mm. any other farmer but um you know my dad's just different um <laughs> <laughs> he always sells his own instead of like selling their farmers can sell to kind of a cooperative and then that cooperative can sell on the market, but he has always sold his own. He's always held it. He built grain storage so he can store it um, and, and play the markets that way. And sometimes that's worked to his favor. Sometimes it hasn't. Um, in 94, uh, when my second brother was born, he built his own cotton gin. Um, which I think almost broke him financially, but it was in an effort to have more control mm-hmm. over the end product. Um, and, and so, I mean, you could call him a control freak. I think that that would be an ad- accurate um, description. <laughs> but We're smart. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. and, and definitely, definitely a risk taker. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, up into... 2016 when we started this I mean he was just selling his his cotton corn into uh the commodities like like anybody else Mm -hmm. does that kind of answer the background Mm -hmm. yeah it does so so you're in Nashville so taking you back so you're in Nashville you were in the media world and weren't fulfilled so then what happened so when we were all together over the uh, 2015 Christmas holidays, um, he kind of approached me with this idea, you know, like, what if, do you think we could do this? Do you think we could, do you think people would like that? Would they buy it? Um, if, if we made something out of our cotton, I was, I was like, yeah, um, yeah I, I think so. You know, I mean, uh, there's a, an increased interest in where things that you purchase come from. Sure. Um, the process behind it, the morals and the ethics behind it. Um, so yeah, I do think that that would be of interest. Um, 
But like I said, my husband was just entering his residency. This was our first year of marriage. Mm. Probably not the best time to leave your job and start a business with your dad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and really technically you didn't have business experience, right? I mean, you had content writing and video creation and working with large companies. Mm -hmm. So you had that experience, which is probably really invaluable, but not to build a company. No. Um, Which is where, you know, I mean, he was very helpful. Um, My dad was very helpful in kind of helping me uh, set that foundation. So um, we, we talked about it for, you know, December, January, and then he and I took a trip to Cotton Incorporated and that's in uh, Cary, North Carolina, and you can kind of, they have a, a mini supply chain set up there, so you can kind of walk through what it looks like to make a textile from the lay down of the cotton all the way through, and so we kind of saw what it could take, and we took our, um, I guess it was, yeah, it was the 2015 uh, classifications of cotton that we were growing and, and asked them there what we could do with it as far as the quality goes and they confirmed to us, you know, it's, it's great superior quality. Um, you can do pretty much anything you want to with it. Hmm. And so my dad went back to this Instagram post. We got him on Instagram in early 2015 and he posted a picture when they were ginning, um, the cotton and his sister commented and said, I sure would like to have some sheets made out of that good looking Alabama cotton. And he was just like, we should make sheets. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, and turns out it was the, one of the more difficult things to manufacture here in the United States. Um, being USA made was extremely important to us because that was another area that my dad felt like was really kind of oppressing the cotton market, at least domestically. The United States produces a lot of cotton. We produce quality, good cotton. Um, but we don't have the manufacturing capacity anymore mm-hmm. to, to consume it, to spin it, mm-hmm. to weave it. Um, so it, it, we felt like if we were going to make something, we wanted to make it here. And that was, that was very important. Um, so when we decided we were going to do it and that we were going to make bed sheets, um, we started putting together our supply chain. We hired a, an old retired textile consultant. Mm-hmm. To, uh, we kind of, you know, analyzed our, our strengths and weaknesses there. And um, while I knew how to market and put together a brand story and, and build a website uh, and, and dad has business knowledge, neither of us knew how to manufacture a textile. Mm. or or any of those connections in the very small industry that still exists. So we we hired a consultant and we went to every single manufacturer and sat down with them and had a conversation about will you do this? Will will what does it take? What is the minimum requirement? Um the minimum laydown of cotton, uh the minimum yards you'll weave, the the minimum uh yards you'll finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had to find a cut and sew and, uh, and that took a, a second, but by October, 2016, we had our first bed sheets. Mm. Wow. Who got to try them out? Do what now? 
who got to try out the first set? <laughs> oh gosh. So um, when they were putting up the fabric at the finisher in Flintstone, Georgia, which is about an hour south of Chattanooga, uh, we went over there and watched it be put up into rolls. And we literally took fabric that was like second quality. It had been like doffed off on the floor. And we were like, we're going to take this home. And we we sat down at my parents' house, got a sewing machine out and made us some bed sheets. Which were probably like the ugliest looking wonky because we let, laid it out on the floor, cut it with scissors. Um, but so we were the first ones to sleep on it. And um, and we were very happy with the end result. Oh, good. Good. And wow. um, so, so, yeah. So you I, have product. You're, you have product now. Um, yeah. So how long until you actually launched the business? So, um, literally I launched the business, uh, essentially in July, I did these pretty detailed sketches of what our bed sheets would look like. And I put them on the website and put them up for sale. And by October, when we had, um, the sheets in, we had several hundred orders to fill. Oh, wow. so you, you launched it before you had you sheets. Pre-sales. Yep. And I sold sheets off of a sketch. Did you do Facebook advertising or, I mean, how did you get the word out? Um, we did, honestly, you could do a lot more organically on Instagram and, and Facebook back in the day. Um, so I did a little bit, I spent a little money, but not a lot. I didn't have a lot. Yeah. So really most of that was just posting. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, we got a lot of good ag press from the start, which was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as we kind of started getting the ball rolling a little bit, um, we were able to do some more serious spending as mm-hmm. far as advertising goes. But um, we started doing events starting that fall. Um, and, you know, launching right at Christmas time is great. Makes yeah. you feel real good about yourself until January hits. <laughs> <laughs> and you just kind of have like an oh crap moment. What am I going to do? Nobody's buying anything. Um, but I mean, I have continued. I have taken online classes. I have Googled. I have YouTubed. Um, and pretty much taught myself anything that I was lacking yeah. um, to, to make this work. Um, Another, another cool thing, um, just in the onset of the business. So when I was talking about putting together that supply chain, um, literally the cut and sew has been the hardest thing for us to maintain. Um, the first cut and sew that we were going to use in South Carolina, we had our bags and tags and everything there. They were just waiting on the fabric and they closed their doors. And so we scrambled, we got our, all of our like tags and everything out of there and we found this woman in New Jersey hmm. who was willing to make our sheets. So we visited New Jersey and <laughs> she made our first couple of runs of sheets. And we had, you know, a, a local newspaper came out and did a story. And this group of women contacted us in our hometown. And we had no idea they were there. I mean, this is not a big hometown. Yeah. Um, and they were making shirts, uh, like knits, knit yeah. shirts. And um, 
they, they sent me an email and they're like, um, we were just wondering if you would be interested in doing any shirts because we're, we're cutting and sewing shirts here. And we're like, well, we're not really interested in any shirts, but would you be interested in making sheets? (laughs) And at that point they were, um, they were in need of business and we kind of helped them convert their factory around. Wow. That's cool. And they have been making our sheets for us and it has grown their little business um, from five seamstresses to almost 12. Mm. Um, so, I mean, like it's, it's been so cool to see how that has all happened in just our little, our little small town. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you had like this underground cut and sew that you didn't know anything about They were, Yeah. You know, back in the back of a house or something doing it because they needed something to do. <laughs> and then they're right there under your nose. And, yeah. And then yeah. you don't have to go to New Jersey to work on quality. You're right here. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just funny how things work themselves out. Yeah. Mm. So, um, so you've been really in business now selling for almost four years, yes. right? What are some things that uh, have totally caught you by surprise, both good and challenging as, as a business owner now? Yeah. Um, my, my greatest challenge, and this is probably um, a, a, it's a great learning experience. It was a great one for me and I would love to share it just so nobody else has to learn like I did. Um, when we first started out, this is still, um, I guess this was in 2017, we were approached by a larger brand um, that manufactured pillows and comforters, and they were looking to make an American-made product 100%. And they they liked what they were we were doing um, and wanted to make a Redland cotton line of, bet, of pillows and comforters and mattress pads. And... And we looked at it and we're like, well, this looks like such a great opportunity for us to, you know, really get ourselves out there. And the long story short of that adventure is we spent a ton of money Hmm. um, and we did launch. There are pillows, were pillows out there, um, but that company wound up filing for chapter 11 Mm. and we never got paid. Oh, wow. And, and at that point, when we were, when we were going through all that, I was having my first child, Mm. you know, my, it was also, you know, not really planned. (laughs) Um, But it was, it was such a challenging time in the business, just at its infancy and then delving into something so much bigger, the, the moral of that story for me still is that it is so much better to grow small Hmm. um, rather than looking at an opportunity that even comes your way and, and looks at you at right in the face. Um, I I just, I still feel like it's better to be small first Mm -hmm. take it on yourself rather than try to hit yourself to somebody else's wagon. Yeah. Um, so that that was a that was a surprise and it was a learning experience for me. Um, a positive thing is that we live in 2020, mm-hmm. and the internet is really wonderful. Um, 
it's, it's really awful in some ways, but in, in so many ways it's great. And it's allowed me a really, what I find to be an economical way to advertise my business and get my story out there. And, um, you know, we were talking before, uh, we went live, uh, about how I found Carolyn, who's now my PR person. I found her on a podcast, Mm -hmm. you know, um, our resources are just limitless right now. Um, and so, uh, that's been something that I've really leaned into pretty hard is, um, is all the resources available to me, just being a, a small business owner that has, uh, one lane of experience, but not much else. Mm-hmm. Um, and how now, not that you can't say that anymore. You have your MBA. No, no. I, I feel like I have, uh, way more expertise and a bunch of, I yeah. can semi intelligently on so many things. Right. Um, but uh, those resources are really just amazing. Yeah. So I have a, um, this is just a question about sheets, because when you go to the store and you look for sheets, you look at the thread counts, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? There's only 550 threads in a sheet. I don't know know how to, um, I think that could be a, a question that a lot of people may have. Maybe it's just me. No, it's a great question. It's the number of threads in a square inch. Hmm. So if you look at a, a square inch of fabric, it is the number in the, in the warp direction, the, no, the warp and the weft. Um, and you can count. What did you just say? The warp, the warp is the, um, the yarn that is setting up kind of your framework okay. for, for your uh, textile. And then the weft is what shoots through those. Okay. Um, the warp to make your fabric. If you're looking at a, what are, what do they call a loom? A loom. A loom. And so the, the threads coming down. Threads, your warp. Yeah, the threads going in kind of the vertical direction are are your your warp. And then your weft yarns shoot back and forth. Okay. So it's hmm. five hundred so it so it says a I mean let's go above five fifty. It's a thousand or twelve hundred um thread count. That's in one little square inch of that technically and anything really above 500 is is a marketing ploy and they are oh. counting the twists in the yarn um oh. yes so you can have plied yarns where you can take and and sometimes it's a good thing to have plied yarns because it can make a yarn stronger but some people can take really inferior yarn thin yarn ply it together to make a thicker um, more substantial yarn, but then they they will count um, the two into into one, and there you have your thousand plus oh. thread count. Um, our thread count is only one hundred and forty. Uh, so what we did, and it's I think uh, a little unique, and um, I think it helps us stand out. When we were looking at at what we were going to make and how we were going to make these bed sheets, the engineers that we were working with were like, well, what kind of bed sheet do you want to make? Um, And they suggested that we go to Belk or Dillard's and um, find a sheet that we liked and that they could recreate that. And that just sounded gross and really unoriginal. Um, And so we started thinking about what we could, what we could do besides that. And my dad would, was talking about his grandmother's sheets and how much he loved those sheets and they would come off 
starchy and crunchy off the line, kind of had to break them in. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- those were the most homey, wonderful sheets that just kind of hugged you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that really spoke to me um, because we were making this, you know, farm to consumer product that we wanted to, to be like a little piece of our farm. So mm-hmm. if we could make um, something that was nostalgic to us um, and that felt good and slept good, you know, why wouldn't we do that? So mm-hmm. we found these old bed sheets from a family friend mm-hmm. um, and they allowed us to take them home, sleep on them, slept on them, felt great. Um, and then they allowed us to take a little cutout of it and um, send it to be analyzed. So we sent it to the textile engineers and they pulled apart those fibers, analyzed the yarn size, mm-hmm. the weave, and and that's what we're making. Um, wow. But cool. but a lot of people look at that and they're like, that's 143 count, it must be sleeping like bur- on burlap. And, and I just say, you know, you can always try a set of pillowcases and see if it's for you. Um, and you know, <laughs> If, if you like sleeping on silky uh, sateen sheets, these are not the sheets for you. And, you know, maybe one day we'll make sateen sheets, but um, that day is not today. Uh, we are making an old time percale. So it's a basic over under weave mm-hmm. um, with a lot of airflow, a generous yarn size. So it's soft. Um but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of marketing work that goes into combating that um, high thread count myth. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just learned something, but, yeah. but I, I'm thinking back. So um, I would assume that we're probably a little bit older than you are. Um, and so there's a, a set of bed sheets that my mom got when she got married and she still has them and they're the best sheets in the world. And like, then she passed them down to me and I don't know where they are now, but I just remember those sheets and how like they felt um, on my skin and they're really, you can't find sheets like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when you go to your local TJ Maxx or wherever and, and Marshall's and we've even bought the higher, cause we thought the bed sheets, the higher count, the, you know, the, the more comfortable. And then they start um, peeling. Is that what you call it? Uh, where they, you get the little balls on it and stuff. And it's, it was like, we had to throw them away after about, you know, six, seven months of use. Yeah. And, and that can, the peeling can occur for several reasons, but most of the time it's short fiber. Um, so, you know, our goal when, like I said, we gin all of our cotton, we wait for the classing to come back on it. So we choose our longest staple, strongest, um, the, the widest whites that we can have for a superior product. Um, but if you're, if you're buying a high thread count, uh, it's very likely they're taking inferior cotton. It's, you know, a, a very fine yarn and they're twisting those fibers. Mm-hmm. And it's more, more likely to pill. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for teaching us a little bit about sheets. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I had no idea about sheets four years ago. Can't say that now. <laughs> um, so tell us a really proud moment in running your business. Was there a moment that you just, you kind of thought back, or if you think back, you go, this is, this is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, I feel like I had that, that moment about October this year. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not to say that we're not going to have, um, issues to come for sure. Uh, 
in fact, we're having some different issues now, but um, things just kind of started to, to click. I, um, like I said, I've taken some classes myself to kind of um, teach myself how to market more effectively online. Um, and the puzzle just kind of started more so coming together. And I mean, like this three and a half years in, right? Mm -hmm. And and I was able to hire more people. And I think anytime that I, I'm able to hire more people, my, my cut and sew is able to hire more people. Um, you know, we're able to put more cotton into the supply chain and see it grow. And it's having a positive effect. That's a proud moment for me. And it's not something that I'm doing, but what what the work that I'm doing is doing for others. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what makes me proud mm-hmm. and 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 happy and makes it worthwhile uh to see something come together and like I said, affect people in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um and so I mean that's that's my my primary goal is like to continue to grow this thing hire people um and create a positive difference in our little town yeah Hmm. so with your husband um obviously he's probably done with his residency by now um thank god yeah (laughs) and you took a big risk i mean i think you you stepped in your dad's shoes and took a big risk um and and probably learned a lot from your dad by taking risks that you know some of them do succeed and obviously you have how was that transition from not having a job he in residency how has that been for you guys in your relationship because i think that any entrepreneur has to take an account like what's going on with the other side of the the household for sure um, um you know the reality is if that he did not support me i couldn't have done it yeah. But the same goes for him. Uh, you know, financially, I supported us primarily through his residency. And as this business, you know, kind of took off, obviously I was I was hardly paying myself. And the the tables were turned. And um, but I knew that I knew that he would support me going into our marriage because I mean, he supported me moving to New York while he finished pharmacy school in Auburn. Um, you know, I was, I was totally fine pursuing my own thing while he pursued his pharmacy school degree. So I really, I really do think, and, and we're, you know, trying to make it work while he continues to pursue his uh, career here in Nashville, where most of, most of my business is in North Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of give and take, but we both respect each other mm-hmm. and, and love each other enough to say, I know that you're passionate about this and I believe in you and you're going to do a good job and I'm going to support you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's huge. And if you don't have that, that's going to make your challenge so much harder. That is. So much. Yes. And you guys have how many, how many kiddos? You have one. And, um, and she'll be two in May. Uh, yeah. Um, and for the first year of her life, I was a stay at home working mom with her mm-hmm. trying to, to work this business and raise her because I wasn't making enough to send her to daycare Yeah, and justify that. So, um, I don't know how you, I don't know how y'all do it with mm-hmm. moms, with businesses and little ones. And I mean, that's, 
there's a, there's a special uh, reward or honor for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> when we get to heaven, we're going to figure that out. That's but, but yeah, uh, but you know, I look back on that and, and think it, it, having her and going through that gave me a completely new perspective on my business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so it wouldn't be what it is today without going through that. Yeah. As hard as it was. This, yeah. I, I hear you. I mean, in, in hindsight's 2020, right. And you wouldn't change anything because you've learned so much along the way, I would guess. Yes. Um, so two questions and then we'll wrap this up because I know you're a, a busy, busy lady. Um, but one um, is, are there any, is there any, are there any tools or like outsource people that you've hired subcontractors or whatever that you, you would have a really hard time being where you are, were it not for that, the tool or person or whatever. Um, and then um, what, what do you envision for Redland um, Cotton for the future? Yeah. Um well, like I talked about identifying the need for someone to make those introductions in the manufacturing industry and hiring that consultant to educate me on thread count and yarn size and, um, and weaving towels and everything else to come. Um, that was, that was critical for sure. Um, to just fill that knowledge gap, uh, that we didn't know. Yeah. So I would say, I would say that he is invaluable. Um, I I will say something that is, that is not invaluable that I have spent money on that I wish I hadn't would be agencies Hmm. to, to help me market and advertise. Um, but I should have just sat my ass down and, and, and taught myself like I did. And, Hmm. and that has, has paid off tenfold. Um, Good advice. Yeah, I I would definitely teach yourself because if you, if you don't know what you're talking about, you're not going to be able to, to tell anybody else what to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, And and that's true. If you don't know what you're talking about and you trust that somebody else knows what they're talking about and they don't know your story and they don't get to know your brand. Um, we went through a bunch of social media companies um, and, and finally have, have, have hired the ones that actually, the one that gets our brand and, and yeah. does it well for us. It's yeah. so hard. Yeah. But where, where I see us going and I'm super excited about it. Um, we are building a, a, a building for us um, that's going to house our fulfillment and distribution. Um, and it's also going to house a cut and sew. So um, it's going to be right next to the farm, our main, our main farm where the gin and everything is. So I'm really hoping that it can be a place where people can come and see where the cotton's grown, how it starts and how it ends. Oh, cool. Um, and, and so that's, that's something that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. And uh, it needs to be done before Christmas. Um, <laughs> For sure. So we're actively working on building a building. It also needs to stop raining uh, in, the, in the Southeast um, for, for that to continue. But, um, and then we're also, we're going to be uh, launching blankets this year. Um, we found a great manufacturer in Maine um, mm. that's going to be weaving these. Um, super excited about that. And um, we're also uh, going to be doing some uh, robes some uh, mm-hmm. bathrobes made out of our our towel fabric so 
There's some, there's some cool things coming, coming down, but I think that this new building is going to give us a, a great, great room to grow literally. Yeah. I'm glad y'all went to Maine um, to get someone to help out with blankets and not like Florida. I mean, I don't know if I would trust them in Florida. <laughs> no. There's a suburbs, but <laughs> right. They, yeah. yeah. No. Um, and you know, I, we've, we've tried to source things as close to home as possible. Um, but I also wanted something that I felt like was the best quality and theirs was by far better yeah. than anything else that I've had, I had touched. Well, that's super exciting. And I would just encourage the listeners to, we'll put um, all of your contact and follow information in the show notes so they can, they can follow along with you and all the progress that you're making and go check out your website and get some sheets for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, We need to, yeah, absolutely. We need to wrap this up. So what we're going to do is if you give Stace uh, a number between one and 70, she'll ask you the question associated with it and then me, and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. 16. 16. Um, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Hmm. Oh my, gosh. my patience. Yeah. yeah. You, you're ready for things to be done yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly, I think that's something we all, we all, or most of us share. Yeah. For sure. Um, nine. All right. Nine. I wanted you to ask this one. Those you did. Okay. Yeah. Well, perfect. What's a most embarrassing childhood memory? Do you have one? yeah I'll share it Um, (laughs) in the third grade we had a talent show and I did a solo dance and I (laughs) um, I got third place and I cried on stage in front of everybody (laughs) disappointed that I got third place but then I was so disappointed that I cried (laughs) you know just oh it's awful. So embarrassing. That is great. So are, were you used to winning stuff? I mean, you, are you, are you not necessarily. no, <laughs> it's not like I'm like I'm a winner. No, but for some reason it was like going out there by myself and I did a thing and I didn't do it as good as I wanted to. And mm. I got third place and I cried. <laughs> <laughs> did you choreograph the whole dance? No. No. Okay. No. I think I copied it from somebody else. <laughs> I was in the third grade. I love it. I love it. So fun, Anna. You're you're a pleasure. Mm-hmm. I so appreciate Carolyn making the introduction and you being willing to talk with us and share your story and of success and hardship and all of that. So thanks for giving us some of your time today. For sure. Thanks so much for having me. You got it. GSD um, Entrepreneur listeners, again, thank you for hitting play on us. We know you had a lot of choices today and we appreciate you choosing us. And we'll be back again next week with another episode and another fun guest. That's our promise. All right. We hope, hope you go make it an awesome week. 